Welcome to the Hey Salespeople podcast, where we focus on delivering immediately actionable best practices for sales professionals. I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan from SalesLoft. Hey, salespeople. Today, it is my pleasure to welcome Kelly Flowers to the show. Welcome, Kelly. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. So Kelly is with New Relic, where she is Senior Manager of Customer Success for Enterprise Renewals. If you're not familiar with New Relic, they are an application performance management software company. Today, our topic is going to be the importance of being proactive versus reactive. And we're going to go pretty broad on that topic. We'll apply it, obviously, to customer success, but also in the sales side of things. And then even maybe you know jump over outside of the business context. Before we get there, Kelly, what's your favorite sales or customer success or fiction, what have you, book of all time? And maybe what was one or two of your takeaways? I might cheat a little bit and give you two, because these are the two books that I always tell people to read if they ask me about systems or processes or how do I scale a sales development team? How do I improve my performance as a rep? And these two books are applicable to both managers and the individual contributor side. So the first one is Fanatical Prospecting by Jeb Blunt. And the second, The Sales Acceleration Formula by Mark Roberge. Both are phenomenal and fit very well into the importance of being proactive versus reactive. So for anybody out there who is trying to build a team, how to interview, what questions to ask, and then on the individual contributor side, if you are looking for a formula or a method that is just tried and true, go read both of these books. They will do wonders for your performance and how you approach your job. In fanatical prospecting, is there, I mean, maybe we'll get into some pieces of it, but are there some takeaways that you have? So prospecting is really hard. When I was an SDR, that was the first time I had ever understood what prospecting meant. And I didn't have any idea how to do it successfully. But prospecting for anybody in sales is going to be the bread and butter of how you get to your number. Unfortunately, though, it is one of those things that a lot of people avoid. It's manual. It takes time it's quite a bit of heavy lifting. And so what I like about fanatical prospecting is it just it just tells it like it is. You have to do it. The most successful reps do it. And it gives you really simple ways of how to fit it into your day, which I used to find was the biggest challenge as a rep. One thing that's just a great reminder that was in that book, he called it like the salespeople help salespeople hack as a secret weapon. It's like if you want to sell into a company and you're having trouble getting through to the decision maker, call one of their other salespeople and just say, hey, salesperson to salesperson, you know, can you give me a little bit of the lay of the land and help me find my way in? And I think that's a brilliant tip. When I was an SDR, I was an SDR at WiseLine, which when I joined was quite a small company. They've grown a ton. But I was prospecting into New Relic, actually. And nobody has phone numbers that you can call. And so their 1-800 number actually goes directly to the sales team. And that was the angle I took. And funny enough, when I moved to New Relic, I started managing the team that fielded those calls. And we certainly got some of those from other reps. Was that prospecting into New Relic, did they then poach you out of where you were before that? They did. So with WiseLine, I was so lucky to be given a chance to start as an SDR there. I had never been in tech. And Brent Casper and Trenton Truitt, two phenomenal powerhouses in tech sales, gave me my first chance. and. Shortly thereafter, I started managing that team. And then I built out the SDR organization in our Guadalajara office in Mexico. 
moved there with my husband and cat for about seven months. And as soon as I came back, New Relic invited me to, I think, an SDR fireside chat or something. And I thought, well, I'm not an SDR, but the woman who was speaking looked phenomenal. Her name's Mandy Bynum. She's still at New Relic. And so I thought, well, that's somebody worth meeting. So I went to the SDR fireside chat, met Mandy, and a couple days later, I was interviewing for the role. I love when people sort of cite particular other people who were fantastic in their career development. I guess maybe take, I don't know, Brent or Trenton or Mandy. What was it about maybe one of them that was you know, so special and that taught you something that advanced your own career? If Trenton had a meeting with one of our biggest customers, he would just have me be a fly on the wall, listen in. And that was phenomenal learning that I otherwise would not have had the chance to listen in on. Trenton has been in sales forever. So listening to somebody who has a ton of experience in tech sales made a really big difference in my career. The other things that both of them did was constantly push me to be better. And at first it was a little uncomfortable. And of course, you don't like having your work critiqued multiple times and saying, still not good enough, still not good enough. But they taught me how to forecast. And that was huge in my ability to hit my quota as an SDR. And then I took that with me when I managed teams. And then I took that with me to New Relic. And it's been a huge part of my success. I don't know if I can let you get away with not answering the secret of how to forecast. I am super curious about that. You know, we will hold it though, I guess. It will hold people in suspense. Let's transition over to the main topic of the day, which is about being you know, proactive versus reactive. Why is this a topic that you're so passionate about? I started getting really passionate and strategic about this when I stepped into sales. And the reason being is because you're given this number that you have to hit. And I look at it in some ways, it's arbitrary. It's, of course, built for many reasons. We need to hit this number in order to hit a certain run rate or a certain ARR, whatever it might be for the company. But as a rep, that number needs to be broken down. And so when I thought about, okay, I'm given a monthly quota, I need to figure out how to hit that. They're on average 19 to 22 days in a month. How do I do that? So I started thinking really proactively instead of just coming in every day, making dials and hoping for the best, which in my opinion is a very reactive approach to hitting your number. When I started managing teams, I thought a lot about systems and whether it is an SDR team, a sales team, a renewals team and customer success, there are pieces of the process that are going to be the same day in and day out, quarter over quarter, year over year. So if we can be proactive about how we approach those, then that is going to give me and my teams the opportunity to scale ourselves professionally and to scale our business. If we're just being reactive, it's going to be really hard to meet the needs of what people are asking us to do. So as a rep, what does it mean to move from what you described as reactive, which is coming in and making your dials versus being proactive about your approach? What that meant for me was I started looking at my number and you can do this whether or not you are quoted monthly, quarterly, yearly, whatever it is. So you take your number and you start reverse engineering. So what I would do was look at my quota. Let's say I need to get 25 meetings a quarter or 25 meetings a month. 
And what I would do is figure out what's my actual conversion rate. So depending on how you're quoted, maybe that's your conversion rate from calls to just that initial meeting or initial meeting convert into an actual opportunity. So I would look at my conversion rate, figure out what you're actually compensated on. So if you're compensated on meetings, how many meetings do you need to hit your goal? But that really important part that made a big difference for me was actually saying, well, hold on a second. How many of those people actually show up? How many of those meetings happen? So once you have your conversion rate of, let's say, calls to meetings, and then the show rate of meetings you schedule to meetings that happen, you will get a number that's your actual number needed to hit your quota. So say I need to hit 25 meetings per month, okay? It takes me 28 to actually make that happen. So then I can know as a rep, I'm not aiming for 25. I'm actually aiming for 28. Once you have that number, then you start breaking down your activity metrics. And that's one of the best things I learned from Trenton. He asked me, all right, Kelly, how many days are there in a month? I said, I don't know, 30, 31. Eh, wrong. There are maybe 19 to 22 on average. And if you take vacation or you're out sick, cut that down by a couple days. So then as a rep, you look at your month and you say there are four weeks, five weeks, and I'm actually going to work 17 days this month because I'm going on vacation. So if I'm going to work 17 days, I know I need to make X number of calls that convert at X clip. And that is going to help me actually come in and be proactive in how I hit my number every day to eventually get to that number of 28 meetings at the end of the month. A lot of SDRs and a lot of sales reps aren't explicitly provided with all those stats, right? I mean, they sort of have to mine them themselves. Were you given those stats or did you have to create Salesforce reports and that kind of thing to find your numbers? I had to do it myself. And once I figured out how to do it myself, it became really easy. It's a plug and play. And I, I just created a template that I'm happy to share with you and, and share with the listeners if that would be helpful. And then when I became a manager, I built this beautiful template with linked reports so people could go in and figure that information out a little bit easier. What were some of the other systems that you built to be more proactive? The two most important things that I built was a training and new hire onboarding program. And then the second was a playbook that was used by the inbound and outbound sales teams. Because when you're a manager, you're hiring and then you're onboarding and that takes so much time. So if you can make that predictable and actually have it written out so that everybody goes through the same program, and then of course you can iterate, that was hugely helpful. And for me as a manager, it made sure that everybody was trained on the same thing every single time. And then the playbook was really helpful. So Regardless of you know whatever team you're managing, there should be a very well-detailed and frequently updated playbook that your team can refer to on how to do the core functions of their role. What are some of the components that you, that you put into your playbooks? First and foremost is kind of taking a 30,000-foot view of the role that somebody's going to come into and breaking down how it actually works. So... Take SDRs, for example. This is a pretty simple one. Say you're inbound. SDRs get all these leads. They're categorized in different ways. Based on how they're categorized and scored, that's going to change how we respond to those leads. 
and the cadence of our outreach is going to look different. So that's one of the most important things to explain, to give people full context of who are all these people that are being you know, put in your Salesforce reports to reach out to? And then how do you be strategic with all of those different people? So it's on one side, the actual operations of it and explaining here's the difference between an A lead and maybe a D lead. And then the strategic part of it is teaching SDRs or anybody in in any role, how do you then cater your communication to those people? Which cadences do you use, et cetera? You had a training and new hire system that you felt is very important. What's maybe one or two of the key components of that training system? I keep coming back to context, but context is both king and queen, in my opinion, when you are bringing people on. Whether I was bringing on SDRs or CSRs, you want people to have that ownership of their role and understand how much they're impacting the business. So that's huge. The other piece is tactical. You have to teach people how to do their job and give them real life examples and then challenge them to do it on their own. For an SDR world, we would spend a week doing product training. New Relic is phenomenal. We have amazing products. They're highly technical. And so we do require a pretty intensive training that's led by our enablement program, which is absolutely phenomenal as well. In order for people to feel confident and go out there and actually secure meetings or secure the customer conversation, they have to practice what they're talking about. So a really big part of training should be role plays and putting people in the examples that they're going to be dealing with every day. That could be an SDR doing role plays with the manager, probably A better approach, though, is doing role plays with their counterparts who are in the trenches every day talking to customers and dealing with those challenges head on. You know, we talked a lot about being proactive and reactive in the world of pre-sales. How have you translated those concepts as you've moved into the, the renewal and customer success side of the world? One thing that I try to think about with renewals that I never had to think about pre-sales is when we secure a customer. And let's say they're on a yearly contract. So what I look at is that means that we are basically up for re-election in 12 months. So we need to be campaigning all year long. That helps me put into perspective, okay, what are we doing proactively to make sure we're engaged with this customer? And at New Relic, there are so many different teams that become engaged with the customer post-sales. So it's not just renewals, but renewals is a really big part of that. And we start working with our customers 180 days prior to their renewal. So that requires a lot of proactive thinking and what that communication looks like and what our processes and operations are internally to make sure that we hit all of our important touch points with the customer. At New Relic, are the renewal leaders responsible for upsell and cross-sell or are they really more gold on the renewal itself? The short answer is we are gold on the renewal itself. However, we are responsible for going in and identifying those upticks and and cross-sells, things like that. Not solely responsible because, of course, the AE is actively engaged in their account. But if we find something during our health analysis or our internal or external discovery with the customer, we flag that right away for our account team. How do you guys manage all those voices in the account? 
I have come into my team, but also the larger CS team, and have been really impressed with how that actually is orchestrated. And it would not work if we did not have proactive systems in place. So when we look at a customer and look at that, let's just say 12 months ago, I tend to think of it as a campaign. So as soon as we secure that customer, we need to start campaigning. And that's where our customer success team will come in. So of course, post-sales, you know, they'll start working with the customer to make sure they're enabled and properly set up on New Relic and meeting their usage needs, everything that a traditional customer success team will do. And so that's where they start coming in. And we don't introduce ourselves as another cook in the kitchen until that 180-day mark. So we are segmented simply by timing during the contract. But then the second piece that is really important is really just working as an account team. So for a customer, and I'm sure we've all been there, we suddenly have four, five, six different people from the same company reaching out to us with different messaging. And it gets a little convoluted. So we focus a lot on working as an account team and presenting ourselves that way to the customer. A lot of times when the renewal folks are separated from you know, the upsell, cross-sell piece, to secure the renewal, people will bend over backwards, right? And they don't even want to introduce the upsell or cross-sell thing. But it sounds like at least with your account team orchestration, you guys are doing a decent amount of pre-planning before you go in and engage. Maybe that's the way you're solving it? It is really a case-by-case basis. And the better we know our customers the easier it is going to be to figure out that answer. You mentioned sort of this thing around how to forecast. Was that around your model for tracking activity through to, you know, close one business? Or was there something even bigger than that? Yes, we talked about it with the SDR forecasting template. And then, of course, there's the forecasting that you take as a manager and kind of move that up the ranks. That's looked very, very different for me in the sales organization. And then as I moved into the customer success organization, forecasting is a massive part of my job and my team's job because we're forecasting real dollars. And that means quite a bit. When I look back at forecasting in sales, you are equally responsible for taking these meetings that Sure, there's not tangible you know, dollars exactly tied to them, but it's pipeline, it's potential. And all of that really funnels into the exact same thing for the company, which is the bottom line. Are machines yet effective in, in what you observed at forecasting or how much does the human still need to be involved? I do firmly believe the human still needs to be involved for the most part because you are right. If we are putting data into those systems that's not 100% what we want it to be, it's not going to give us the right answer. To be fair, though, as humans, I haven't found the magic bullet to forecast accurately quarter over quarter. I do think neither give you 100% guarantee that you're going to forecast the right number every time. However, perhaps it's because I like to have control that I do think it's important for humans to forecast their own business, especially at that individual contributor level. If you can learn how to do that as an SDR or as a CSR, that knowledge is going to be so powerful when you become a manager, when you become an account executive. It's kind of like knowing how to do math without a calculator. 
not relying on the technology to do it for you, but truly understanding your own business and how you're going to get to where you need to get to. If people want to learn more about New Relic or get in touch with you, what are the best ways to do that? You can find me on LinkedIn, Kelly Flowers. Really easy to pronounce, really easy to spell. Other piece is if you want to learn more about New Relic, hop on our website, check us out. Check us out on LinkedIn. Of course, we're on social as well. Once again, I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan from SalesLoft. Laura Hall is our executive producer. Our artwork is by Greg Klingshern. This episode was edited by Peter Lopinto. Subscribe to us on your favorite app to learn more immediately actionable best practices from our awesome guests. Thanks for listening to the Hey Salespeople podcast.